0: wonderful well I I am going to get to speaking just briefly because we've got the kids in with us today so some of you are relieved Um, but uh, many of you have just heard about um, what's been happening in Sri Lanka and uh, I've just asked Esther just to come lead us in some prayers for what's going on there because as I understand it I haven't checked recently but the death toll is rising so Esther's gonna lead us in some prayers um, for the nation and uh, it's got friends. I know. I've been WhatsApping with friends who are right, yeah. back there now. Yeah. So you could lead yeah, us. So,
1: so basically, I got a, um, I got a WhatsApp this morning uh, from somebody really early in the morning at about five o'clock, and my phone pinged in my ear, and uh, you know, pointing out that there have been some bombings in some churches, and uh, today is Easter uh, day, even there. Although we are about five or six hours. Ahead, is that right? Yeah, but so I'm just talking to some people, uh, colleagues there from India. So, um, so, so that's where they are. So they were actually and in in Sri Lanka, and I don't know if it's the same in India. We have our church services really early in the morning at 7:30 before the heat of the day. Some churches start, um, and then the services carry on. So there were these bombings there, and so it's quite disappointing because. This is the first time that I'm aware of, and I'm reasonably old uh, uh, to think that this is the first time that I know anyway that uh, churches have been targeted. So normally there's lots of uh, strife between governments and people uh, and uh, various terrorist organizations, but this is the first time that I've heard of bombings in churches. I've not actually heard this ever, uh, as far as I'm aware, in the history of Sri Lanka. Mm. So this is something new, uh, and similar things have happened in some very very big and posh hotels in Colombo. Uh, the Shangri La and the Cinnamon Grand are some five-star. Sometimes uh, you know they're really really grand hotels where people are, are you know where they gone to worship and have and have prayer uh, breakfasts, as it were, and there were bombings there. So this is unusual. But I yeah. think also uh, I think we need to remember. That the people who are worshiping and who have died and are injured are actually people who are worshiping there and loving the Lord. Uh, The the Sri Lanka, the population, the uh, Christians are a very small minority in Sri Lanka. It's something like between two and five percent of the whole population. It's a Buddhist country mainly, uh, and there are Muslims there and other various other. Uh, Hindus as well and uh, Muslims as well, as but Buddhism is the main main religion and basically, just very quickly, I just want to say that they are supposed to be a peace-loving people. Buddhists, they follow a philosophy, a way of life that teaches them not to kill and not to, even an ant, they don't step on ants. So it's quite something to hear about this and what's Mm. going on. So Mm. we don't know who they are, but shall we just pray? If you can just gather, just for... Yeah. a minute a minute yeah, and I just pray and I just ask that the Lord would, uh, mm. would bring some peace. The great thing about it that strangely I thought that actually this is quite a, this could be quite a joyful day for people because actually there. this is not death for those who have died. You know mm. in churches this is actually life for them mm. in a, in a very contradictory way mm. uh, because those who have died actually they haven't died they're actually alive and in fact i remember daniel once saying drawing a line saying that we live we die and we live again so mm. that's the amazing thing so actually the perpetrators think that they've killed someone but what they don't realize is that those people are still alive in jesus amen which is so yeah
0: that's right thank you lord
1: Yes. Lord Jesus, I uh, just thank you, Father, for uh, your death. And on this lo- amazing Easter day where we remember that you have risen again, Lord, we just pray, Father, for Sri Lanka, especially that we would just make them uh, know you more, Lord. May they be uh, rejoicing in their sadness in a strange kind of way, Lord, uh, and know that actually this is going to bring peace amongst people, uh, and that they will show love uh, Please, as well uh,
0: to each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Esther. Okay. Can I get a round of applause for Kira? She's going to read our scripture this morning from John chapter 20. So I go for it.
1: Jesus appeared to Thomas. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand, put my fingers into them, and place my hand in, into the wound in his side. Eight days later the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, "Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your finger into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God." Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, "You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without
0: seeing." Amen. Wonderful. We are living in a in an age of scepticism, aren't we? We're living in an age where doubt. Is actually seen as a virtue today and in many ways it's a good thing because of all of the photoshopping and fake news and fake headlines etc there is a good level of skepticism that happens but there is a devastating effect when that skepticism and doubt gets brought into matters of God life death and Jesus and For all of us I think there are points where we know we live with moments of doubt even for those who would say they are followers of christ and for some of you here today you might be saying i'm an atheist you might say i'm not a believer someone's dragged me along i'm not even sure why i'm here and you say i'm not sure how do i get to a place of faith and what we find out in this story in this moment with thomas or doubting thomas which i think will come on to it. a bit unfair on thomas um but uh he had this moment of doubt he was living with skepticism and doubt and he became a wholehearted follower of christ and the thing that took him from faith sorry from doubt to faith was the resurrected and alive lord jesus christ amen this is the turning point point. and what i want to do and i could have asked, invited many of you up here but i want to invite richard up just for one moment just to share some of his journey from doubt to faith and i kind of picked on richard because his journey from doubt to faith has been quite recent um, but i could have picked many of us here so I, can you just invite richard up and give him a big round of applause So Richard is part of the leadership team at Trinity Church London, um, fully involved in everything that's happening here. But a few years ago, you weren't believing in Jesus. In fact, he was very distant. Can you explain what your relationship with God was like prior to coming to this point here
2: today? Yeah, um, yeah relationship is an interesting work, so I don't think I had one at that point. Um, I think, you know, I grew up in a Christian household, so to some degree, I always kind of Thought I believed in God. Um, but you know, I always felt very guilty all the time. Um, you know, to me it was just a bunch of rules that I didn't really want to follow if I'm um, honest. And I think more than anything, I was trusting in my own strength. So, you know, for most of my life I uh, just pursued my own kind of career, pursued my own success. Um, and if I'm honest, I think the main reason for that is I didn't have faith in his goodness. Mm. I had faith in my own strength Mm. and um, yeah I think you know, I didn't didn't know him, I didn't necessarily want to know him uh, at the time Um, I just went to, you know, I I, I find it hard to believe that uh, a loving father could um, really have my best interests at heart when you know, I want to have money, I want to drive a fast car and, you know, that's not what he believed in. So, <laughs> he was wrong, clearly, um, and that was kind of my mentality, so, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and how did, what's the journey? How did you get from there to this place now of saying, everything's yours, Jesus, and... <laughs>
2: yeah, um, good question. So, I think the journey for me started about two and a bit years ago, um, so, cumulatively you know, speaking, I, I was very happy. I thought I was happy. Uh, I had pretty much everything I could ask for. Um, there was always something missing. I wasn't quite sure what it was. Um, and then something in my uh, personal life happened that kind of led me to uh, quite a despairing place, I guess. Um, and then initially, when I, I walked into church, it was my sister that kind of suggested that I go along. Um, and I wasn't was really sure what I was <laughs> going to find there. Um, if I'm honest, and and then I I kind of just found the loving loving heart of my father. Um, And over the course of uh, the next, I guess, 12 months, um, he slowly started to chisel away some of the the things that I needed to chisel away. Um, And there was a a moment in particular that stands out, uh, which is when, for the first time, I recognised what grace actually meant. Um, and all that pain, all that burden that I've carried for so many years, all that guilt uh, just lifted. And maybe um, I mean it's, <laughs> if you've experienced it, you depend on what I'm saying, but if you haven't, it's, it's really hard to describe. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, for, for me, just recognising what Jesus had done, and also recognising that it wasn't something he'd done once, 2,000 years ago, but it was something that he was doing for me all the time, you know, walking with me, caring about every little thing that happens in my life, um, changing my character from within. And yeah, just kind of walking, you know, doing life with me, I guess, is a good way to think about it. And I think back then, you know, we we as a society I think we idolized the cross. You know, it's everything we see is about the cross. And you kind of think about the resi- uh, sorry, the um Jesus uh, killed you you often don't talk about him being resurrected Mm. and you know he is alive he's living in us and that change that he by his grace gives us on a day-by-day basis is just something that is too incredible to even really explain but it's life-changing
0: so amazing praise god round of applause (laughs) god is good amen and i just want to i just want to tell you just the story really of of what happened and most of you know here some of you may not but it's an amazing story that we cannot ever get past it's the story of a a young baby boy who grew up utterly pure in heart word and deed, and and indeed in attitudes in thought in action in every single thing that this baby boy jesus did he was utterly perfect so you could have walked past this boy who became a teenager who became a man you could have walked past him in the street and not known that you had walked past someone utterly unique until he started speaking and doing things and acting and behaving and working for you as a carpenter up until the age of 30 when you would have noticed something utterly unique about this man jesus visually he looked like mike maybe or,
2: <laughs>
0: or me or steve not on a healy sorry on a healy he's got to be a guy but anyway he looked like someone very ordinary until you got to know him and yet he knew he had a very specific mission on this earth at the age of 30, he stopped becoming a carpenter and he took up preaching and teaching and healing as a way of life to demonstrate that the kingdom of God was being extended on earth through himself, Jesus Christ. And he went around and he taught and he talked about this kingdom that would expand right across the face of the earth. Even at that point, they didn't know London. It hadn't been even established yet. But even at this point now, aware that there would be this kingdom that would expand expand into 2019 into London and he taught his followers this one particular truth that they never quite understood He would say things like this, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And he would continually teach them that I'm about to die, but I'm gonna rise again. And yet they never heard it. Have you ever heard something but not heard it? I was thinking this morning, sometimes I tell my kids, we're going now, we're we're leaving, and they look at me and they hear it, but they don't hear it. it. It's possible sometimes to hear information, but it just doesn't compute with your framework of thinking, so you don't hear it. And he told them continually and continually this truth. And he said, We're going to set our face now to Jerusalem. And knowing what was going to happen in the city of Jerusalem, he walked into the city and he was taken by Roman soldiers and was willingly led and was crucified on a cross so that he died. But the amazing thing is this that even when he was being taken and when he was being hung on this cross, and you would think this is a bad situation for anybody. You think if if this was the point to forget God and try and rearrange your life and do something else, this would be the moment. But as he was being crucified, we're told, he continually trusted in the goodness of his father. He trusted words like Job nineteen twenty five, 25, where he's, he reads or read, Jesus would have read that one day the Redeemer will live and we will see him on the other side of death. And he would have hung on to this truth. In Isaiah 53, we're told that the Redeemer will be crushed, but will one day have his life prolonged and he will see the fruits of of his death and would have hung on in these moments he would have known about jonah who would have gone down in the fish if you remember the story in fact i don't know if you saw on bbc there's actually someone who got swallowed by a whale recently and lived to tell the tale it's actually like a true story by the by um (laughs) jonah got swallowed by this whale signifying this kind of death that happened and then he was spewed out again jesus Would have known that as a parabolic moment of his own death and resurrection and as he was holding on as he was being hung to the cross he would have held on to the goodness of his father saying i trust you that on the other side of this death i will find life you can imagine you don't know if you've never walked into a scenario you don't know what's going to happen it's it can be a scary thing and yet jesus even as he was hanging on this cross was trusting by his fingernails but still trusting in the goodness of his father that somehow resurrection life will come out of this jesus even told parables about it he told parables about people would sow seeds into the soil and this had to happen if life is going to spring up death has to happen if there's going to be new life and he would have been reminding himself for these moments trusting in the father that these words were true and that life would abound after this death The thing is that the disciples didn't know about all of these promises. They hadn't heard. They hadn't computed. So as Jesus says, one day I'm gonna rise again, when they saw Jesus Christ, dying and then dead and then being taken away by roman soldiers their first reaction was to get out of here said jesus our leader has died we need to flee from this city so that you can imagine them these men and women they would given up everything to this jesus their livelihoods their salaries their incomes everything that they had they had given up to follow Jesus for three years and then suddenly the one whom they thought was going to lead them into this glorious future has just died all of their hopes dashed so at this point what do they do they're confused they're bewildered they're upset they do not know what to make of what's just been happening they're afraid for their life because I think if Jesus has been crucified what about me if I say I'm with Jesus are they going to crucify me so some start to leave the city of Jerusalem and go home some flee some they lock themselves in a room hiding from the religious leaders just in case some are looking for them That others might be crucified along with Jesus they are in a terrified spot they are hiding from the disciples sorry from the from the Roman soldiers And then this amazing thing happens. You've got to imagine this this small group of disciples, similar-ish to this kind of size of group, hiding away and we're told with doors locked in case soldiers come and take them away. We're told that there is this appearance of the once dead, but now alive, Jesus Christ in their midst. Just imagine this a friend has just died and you went to his funeral on friday and you're in church and suddenly this friend arrives in the middle of the room what would your reaction be i would think you would freak out wouldn't you not you were like what are you doing alive we just buried you three days ago and yet here you are in the middle of the room and we're told they they freak out so much so that i mean we're told jesus says peace be with you which for, which for us sounds like you know it sounds religious to us now but for them it would be like all right guys how are you doing and you're like i can't imagine that would have helped at that point but he then has to repeat say no no it's me i want to give you peace he says it really is me and he eats with them to prove it because they think they think it's a ghost is it like who is okay i'll i'll eat with you so jesus this rest and you can imagine them i mean i think their minds would have still been utterly like whirling around like we we think we know this is now jesus but how can this be true how can this have happened and what we're told is that jesus breathes the holy spirit onto them And I think in this moment, we're told earlier in John 16 that the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. When you get the Holy Spirit, things begin to, pennies begin to drop. I think as Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them, suddenly the penny dropped. And it was like all these disparate, different teachings about the kingdom of God all suddenly got linked together and drawn together into meaningful reality in the resurrection of Jesus. Everything suddenly made sense because they realized this is Jesus. And suddenly they're reminded this is exactly what he's been saying for three years. He always said he was going to do this. Here's the sad thing. We're told at some point he then... Disappears because he has this amazing resurrection body. So he kind of moves in and out of walls We're told that one person wasn't in the room Thomas And you've got to feel sorry for Thomas because if you ever turned up if you ever went to like you go to work on a Monday morning and everyone's been to an amazing party on Saturday that you didn't make it to, like it's not an amazing feeling. You're like missing out on everything. And I'm like, oh Thomas, did you hear? Like actually Jesus is alive, everything's okay, the, the future is bright, there's eternal life set ahead of us, and He's told us and He's given us the Holy Spirit. You should have been there. You can imagine Thomas's reaction. We don't don't know why he's gone maybe he would been going to do like a recce on the city like what's actually going on maybe he just popped out to get some milk because they'd locked their doors we don't know but he left the room jesus had arrived breathed his holy spirit on them and then left and then thomas arrives So this whole doubting Thomas thing, I think for many of us, we would feel the same. Like we would like some evidence too, wouldn't we? I would like to see Jesus. I would like to meet Jesus. And so this is what he says. This is what Kira has just read for us. He says, the disciple says, we have seen the Lord. And he says this, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and and place my fingers into the marks of the nails and place my hand in his sides, I will never believe. Thomas... On the spectrum of concrete thinking and abstract thinking, Thomas is a very definite concrete thinker. He likes to see things and then believe things. And many of us are like that, aren't we? I want to have evidence, I want to know, I want to see, and then I will believe. Then I will put my trust in Jesus. And what happens is that Thomas gets to meet the resurrected Jesus Christ. Utterly amazing. Eight days later, this is the kindness of God. His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. He's like, I'm not making that mistake. I'm not buying your milk this time. Matthew, you can go buy the milk. I'm staying here until Jesus comes back again. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, just says. Hi, I'm back. Then he said to Thomas, and I would imagine he turns first to Thomas because he knew Thomas missed out at this point. Some of you feel like you've missed out on various things. Jesus knows and he will rectify every injustice in this life. He says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hands and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe and thomas answered him with the only reaction we can make when we meet a living god he says my lord and my god jesus said to them have you believed because you have seen me blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed isn't this amazing what is thomas's reaction when he meets the living lord jesus he realizes the only thing i can do is give my everything to this jesus my lord and my god this person who he'd spent three years with as a teacher suddenly realized who he is and he does something would have been blasphemous for the jews and he bows down and worships this man as the creator god himself and he says as it were you are worthy of I have, all that I am is at your disposal now, you are my Lord I am your servant, you are my God I am your creature, everything that I have is yours, and he worships because he realises this is the turning point, point. and for us, some of you might even be struggling now with bits of faith the starting place is always the resurrection of Jesus it's not dinosaurs or what's going on in Genesis 1, it's the resurrection of Jesus, and everything else begins to make sense out of that place Without the resurrection, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, what we are doing right now is pointless. Did you know that? We might as well save our money and go to the park right now. Because if Jesus isn't alive today, this is futile. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says if there is no resurrection of the dead, sorry, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. I was going to say no jokes at this point about my preaching, but and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then there are also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. says this six things let me just read them out that are just pointless if jesus did not get up from the dead there's no point in preaching there's no point in having faith to be a christian is useless we misrepresent god we still have guilt we are left in our sins those who have died before us there is no hope we don't see them in heaven there is no glory that's it they have just perished and we are to be pitied as christians but if Jesus Christ has been raised then preaching the gospel is one of the most important things that we can do as followers of jesus christ because in the telling of this good news again and again and again there is life and eternal life to be found amen it means that faith in jesus christ is the most important thing it means that a day like today is not an oddity in a changing culture but is actually human beings syncing up with reality that there is a creator To God who was crucified and is now alive again today. This is the place where we are meant to be. It means we have been forgiven and my sins are not counted against me. So I'm gonna go to St. James's Park and party like I am not condemned but utterly justified in Jesus Christ. Amen. It means that those who have died now and have been trusting in Christ are beholding eternal glory and knowing whom they were built for it means that we are now the ones to be envied (laughs) isn't that amazing in the resurrection we get everything absolutely everything eternal hope glory don't know how you're feeling today but there is a bright future for you in Jesus Christ amen everything that is wrong right now will be made right because of the resurrection of Jesus all injustice right now will be made just in the resurrection of Jesus all the wrongs will be made right everything bad will become good in the resurrection of Jesus Christ hallelujah this is the good news that we have today we are a happy people amen Amen. and thomas let me just give you three pieces of evidence and i'm going to close i promise if you're wondering if you're not a christian here let me just give you three pieces of evidence that why the resurrection actually happened firstly jesus friends and family were persuaded that jesus actually came back from the dead and was God and is God if you're going to persuade some people that you want to start a new religion the best place is probably not to start in your hometown with the people who know you the most if I wanted to start a new sect I would probably travel to another country and make out some amazing backstory about how I was kind of born with the gods or something happened I've got this power etc etc the place I would not start a new religion would be right here with you guys because you know me too well and you'd be like uh, and Tori would be like guys like he, uh, the, the whole guy god thing no 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 it's not going to wash i can tell you about what it's like at home that's what's going to happen and yet here we have jesus's family and friends being the very first to give over their lives and actually worship this jesus imagine they spent three years with him they've seen him behind closed doors everything what is like how he talks about people behind their backs he knows they know everything and they are the first to say jesus we believe you we have watched your life and we believe you are who you say you are in your resurrection everything makes sense And I think for some of them, they had no idea that they were living with God for three years. Mm -hmm. If if you're a Christian and someone realises you're a Christian after an hour, and they're like, oh my goodness, I've been swearing, I'm very sorry about all, you know. You can imagine, them suddenly thinking like all the things they've said in the presence of God for the last three years. Like, Matthew, why do you keep saying that thing? He's actually God! And they worship Him as God. Secondly, Thomas and others actually give their life up for this Jesus. Some people are willing to spread stories when it's going well for them. Actually, if I can get something from this, I will propagate a story. But if the only thing I'm gonna receive is persecution, poverty and death, what is in there, what is in it for them? to spread this story and what we're told is that Thomas from this point on his whole life was radically turned upside down he worships Jesus and he leaves later his hometown and travels to India we're told to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and in AD 72 willingly is killed because he keeps telling other people about this Jewish man this rabbi from the north from Nazareth who was crucified but was raised from the dead is now forgiving sins across the nations they crucified him for it and he died gladly for the sake of his name what turns these cowardly disciples into bold lion-like evangelists willing to die the only possible explanation is that it actually happens that Jesus actually was alive that he actually met them and that they knew even if I die now I'm gonna be alive because Jesus is alive amen And the third thing is this, that the church continues to grow. It's amazing. If you read the press in the West, you think, oh, how's the church doing? Maybe Christianity will be dead in a few years. What you need to know is that around the nations, the church is doing just fine, thank you very much. The church is flourishing. We're told right now in China that there are maybe 100 million Christians. And it wavers around that something that's conserved more christians in china that today than there are in europe put together worshiping this jesus christ when there are only estimates of around four million about 50 years ago why because people are confessing that they are meeting this jesus christ alive for themselves and even if a government tries to stop the news We cannot stop this resurrected jesus walking into doors walking through doors walking into lives getting into hearts and saying i'm alive and the church grows and grows and grows and grows the church in africa is booming god is alive amen here's the thing let me close with this to have an unresurrected jesus would be a lot easier for us because if jesus wasn't alive from the dead then what would be left would be some old testament hebrew scriptures and a god who we could put in a box and we could say this is what i want from my god this is what people do today some of you might be doing that today you think this is what i want from my god i'll take this and i'll take this and i'll take this because you get to call the shots because you've got some words on a piece of paper. You've got a set of beliefs that you could pick and choose from. I'm gonna say, this is how I wanna live my life. This is what I think is reality. We get to define reality. But if Jesus Christ really did raise from the dead and he really is Lord, it is actually quite a scary thing because it means that he can demand everything from us because he is our God he is our Savior and we belong in our ransom beings to him Philip Yancey he said this he said these words in many respects I find an unresurrected Jesus easier to accept Easter he says makes him dangerous because of easter i have to listen to his extravagant claims i can no longer pick and choose from his sayings moreover easter means he must be loose out there somewhere (laughs) do you know he's loose in london today you know do you know he's loose in the nations today as the resurrected king of everything and when we come to him we give him everything So I want to close by praying for us and for some of us it's just a rededication to a risen King who gets to define reality not us and we say Lord you are my Lord and my God and secondly for some of you this might be the first time you've been in church or the first time you've actually heard of a resurrected Jesus this can be the moment you can say simply you are my Lord and you are my God not just a Christian God out there but my Lord and my god so can i pray for us and then we're going to close and worship should we pray together yeah if i can invite the band back up father i thank you that you sent jesus and jesus what an amazing death you died what an amazing resurrection that we now live within your presence And Jesus, we have to talk to you because you are here in this room with us by your Holy Spirit. And jesus i pray for us as trinity church london easter people resurrection people that you might bless us with that same awareness that thomas had that everything will be okay yes. that even as we walk through valleys that feel like the shadow of death even though we walk through difficulties and anxieties and depressions and relational strife and financial difficulties and joblessness lord even though we walk through these we know there is resurrection hope always that is set before us that the end of our days is only celebration because of the resurrected jesus christ and father i pray for those here this morning who haven't yet given their life to jesus i'm just going to do something cheryl explained what she did with errol i'm just going to do this while our heads are bowed i'm just going to ask you in your hearts to make the same commitment to Thomas and just to pray these words after me they're very simple so I'm just going to say a few sentences and pause as I do that and if you want to make this commitment just in your heart where you are right now you speak to the resurrected Jesus and say I'm with you so Jesus I thank you for dying for my sins thank you for being crucified that I might have life. I choose right now to accept you as my Lord and my God. I worship you, Jesus. I give you my life and I receive your resurrection power. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for opening up eyes. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for family. And I pray bless us as your resurrection people. Amen. Amen. Can we stand and can we give Jesus a round of applause and thank him for his resurrection? Thank you, Jesus.